Welcome to Spiritually Raw. We expose and explore controversial truths, myths, and theories surrounding the spirit world. Guests include QAnon experts, investigators, debunkers, and skeptics of the supernatural, unexplained, and flat-out unimaginable. Content discussed on this show is not necessarily the opinion of the cast of Spiritually Raw, and topics quite often are for mature audiences only. This show is not intended to replace any medical, financial, or legal advice, and is for entertainment purposes only. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. I began to use the products within a couple of days something clicked and to be honest this is the most difficult thing to put into words when people say well what was it that clicked and I always tell everyone I don't know how to explain it because I've never felt this way in my life it is an unconditional pure divine connection of love you literally shift into bliss I gave some to my partner of 13 years. He started using it. I started giving it to my two fur babies, Macy and Gracie. Our whole household is on the products now. And I can attest that this is the best thing that has ever happened to me. Even above and beyond me opening up to my abilities as a medium and an intuitive. This is the best thing that has ever happened for me. My body is no longer in a fight or flight state. It is peace and calm. It is healing itself. My body, mind, and spirit feel finally at one. My intuition is heightened, which I didn't even think could happen. My focus, my determination, just the overall feeling of being happy. So if you are new to hemp works, I suggest that you give it a try. And I promise if you do the work, just finding your own sweet spot, whatever that means, however many drops that means for you and how many times a day or what products your body is craving, turns out mine was craving all of it, then just try it. The company has the best return policy ever. You get to try it and there is no risk to you. So give yourself the gift of hemp works. It has been such a blessing to myself my family, and everyone that I know. I hope that all of your dreams come true as you ascend to the most beautiful you. Hello, everybody. How are you? And welcome to Spiritually Raw. Thank you very, very much for your energy exchange with us today. And as always, we hope you woke up the most miracle morning and are also having the most fortunate day today. David Sarita is here with us today. April is going to enlighten you who David is. He's got a lot of really cool stuff that he's going to talk about. And really, he's a lot of you, uh, a lot of you uh, med betters out there, you know, we're into that technology quantum and that world, healing. quantum healing. You know, David's, you know, let's let's hear what David's got to say. I'm pretty excited about learning about learning about that here. I do want to remind you and thank all of you, if you haven't already, to hit the subscribe button, turn on the notification bell, and kindly do share this. And remember, you'll be able to see this show and all of our other shows completely uncensored on spirituallyraw.live, where you do get three days for free on us. So check that out, and thank you very much for that. And also, our link for Telegram is going to be in the description below. So definitely follow us there, because we'll be posting and communicating there, too. Yes. And if you could just take a quick second to um, hit the like button and also subscribe. And if you love this video, which we certainly hope you will, please do share it with all of your friends and loved ones. We greatly, greatly appreciate it. David Sarita, yes? Yeah, let's get rolling. Let me put my glasses on. David Sarita, his wife is Crystal Frost. David started Lightstream Technologies in Sedona, Arizona in 2007 with Crystal. David is the inventor of this technology, and he's also a well-known self-taught scientist. David studied meditation, yoga, vegetarian diet, world religions, ancient history, physics, math, astronomy, alternate zero-point energies for over 40 years. David's also studied fusion power for the past 10 years and was the director of the Los Angeles-based Tesla Foundation, under which David became Tesla technology expert on fusion power. David searched for the perfect word of God in a vibration led him to mathematically 
decode the frequencies of the nature of the universe. This is really, really cool. David developed the world's largest frequency library called Lightstream Harmonic Frequencies, the most advanced frequency transmitter on planet Earth. David, how are you? Welcome, welcome. Good to have you on here today. Very good. How are you both? Good, man. You've got, you got, so you got quite the extensive resume on there. Oh, that's um, nothing. Wait till you see his website and all the cool stuff He's he got has. some really cool <laughs> stuff, everybody. We did get a chance to check it out, and we'll, we got the link there for you to check it out. David, before we get into a little bit of your backstory, I want to dive right in because there is a lot to talk about with you. Uh, the perfect word of God in a vibration. What do you mean by that? Well, see, John 1 in the, in the Christian Bible in English reads, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are Greek manuscripts. And in Greek, it's in the beginning was the Logos, and the Logos was with God, and the Logos is God. And Logos in Greek mathematics means the, a perfect harmonic ratio based on a perfect harmonic frequency set. So, so a ratio is two or more frequencies that are in a harmony sets up the word or the vibration of, of God and the, and the creation. And, and, you know, you can Google the God frequency and you're going to see so many different theories out there. But one of the things I did is I went back into the Old Testament and you'll notice that the God of the prophets measures everything. Everything has to have perfect measurements from the, the Holy of Holies, the tabernacle of Moses, the staff of Moses, the length of Noah's Ark, all, all incredibly perfect. And the reason so, is such is that those measurements actually convert to frequency. Is that so, the same references like when people say if two or more people, you know, and I don't know the exact phrasing. In the, in the oh, I like that you're saying that. Actually, that's a great insight because you need two or more frequencies to create a harmony, right? If you... If I give you one amazing frequency like 432, you still don't have a harmony. So you need two or more frequencies to create a logos because a logos is a perfect harmonic vibration based on two or more vibrations, right? So how, how does one calculate the frequency? So when you take a look like what you said there, the 432, and then there's other frequencies that they refer to. Um, how, number one is how do they calculate them? and is there a frequency that you know because there are a lot thrown out there is there a frequency that we as the human beings in our in our space right now really need to be attuned to oh absolutely i mean with the microwave towers in and all of the satellites transmitting microwaves all over the planet our biological electrical energy field is getting distorted and and they're just running the internet at optimal frequencies without considering the harmonics which is which is proper proportion and ratios between frequencies so we're definitely getting bombarded so there, there's a great need for retuning like pythagoras called the human body the musica humana which would interface with the musica mandana which is the music of the universe so when our instruments out of tune a lot of things go wrong in your life, like chaos, disease, everything. For was sure. What was there was there was another part of your question? I think I yeah missed. yeah um it was was is there with all the different frequencies that we do hear about is there one like four thirty two or is there something that you know it does get it gets is there one that we really need to be attuned to like if we were to just make sure not we're there one number see not one number all of my programs are are built um streams of frequencies in a single track that you'll either run through one of my coil systems to reharmonize your house or your office and in fact i've even had customers say they've attracted more business in their shop when they're running running harmonic frequencies and that's because we're like plants right when you transmit frequencies off of a coil they travel at the speed of light and they go right through the walls to the people on the street. And in fact, one of my systems can affect a whole building, you know, one of my larger systems. So to say, is there one frequency like 432? Well, I, I created a whole 432 scale. And in fact, so you asked, how do you calculate frequencies? Well, just the way we calculate frequencies on what's called a monopole antenna, right? So 
if you remember cruising through the country, you'll see these massive radio stations with this huge tower sticking out. Mm -hmm. right? So I'm using this as an analogy and your cars are driving by. The height of a monopole antenna is a quarter of its wavelength that radiates off of it, right? So the way you calculate a frequency is you take the speed of light, say, for example, in inches, divided by the wavelength in inches to get the frequency. And I actually came up with the theory that the staff of Moses, which goes, which precedes Moses, it, it starts with the first prophets in the Bible, which is actually Adam and Eve in the mythology. And then it moves forward to Enoch, the first prophet, and it keeps going forward. You come to, um, you come to Elijah and you come to Moses and you, you come to Jesus's father and Jesus and forward. You'll, you'll see it in, in Mark six. Is it, um, I'm trying to remember Mark 6, 8. Jesus tells the apostles when he disperses them, they have to have their staff. So I I came up with this theory that the staff of Moses was a transmitter. Because in the book of Numbers in, 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 um, in the Bible, God tells Moses to put a copper, a brass fiery serpent, which is a copper coil, on a pole. Mm -hmm. I remember growing up in, in Berkeley, California in the 60s, and I remember building you get a toilet paper roll and you wrap your copper wire around it and you connect a crystal diode a little earbud radio set and a battery and you're listening to radio stations that's exactly what the god of moses told him to do is to make a copper coil on a pole well that's what tesla did in the chicago world's fair in 1893 he demonstrated the first transmission of radio waves by putting a copper coil on a pole on two poles actually and they communicated so I started searching mathematically for the exact height of the staff of Moses, because if I knew its height, I knew its frequency, and I did it. How, how, what is the height? Well, the Bible in two places says that the, the um, staff lay in the Ark of the Covenant, mm -hmm. and the inside of the Ark is two and a half cubits. But See, where a lot of researchers make the mistake is they see the word cubit, and there's a well cubit and a cubit. But in the book of Ezekiel, God tells Ezekiel that a, a cubit of God is a cubit plus is an elbow to fingertip plus a hand, which is a symbol, right? That's just a symbol, right? Mm -hmm. so, so that's a symbol for a royal cubit, but they, the Bible doesn't use the word royal cubit. So, but a cubit plus a hand is a royal cubit, but then they call it a cubit. So people have measured the arc incorrectly because they're using the common builder's cubit. And you get into what's called cubit wars because everybody has a theory on what a cubit is. So I had to find out a perfect royal cubit that actually resolved. Um, this was when researchers, archaeologists found on Mount Ararat, they found the remains of Noah. Right, for the, where they thought was the arc? But they thought was the ark and when they measured it it was too big so they said well this could be the ark and i'm like what do you mean it's actually perfect 510 feet um and point one um 510.5151 feet so are you saying that you believe what they found in the mountain is it's mathematically perfect if you know the secret to the true royal cubit. And in fact, if you look in, this is this is miraculous, because if you look in, it's called the Temple Scroll. The Temple Scroll was discovered in the Dead Sea Scrolls. And in the Temple Scroll was proven, it's similar to the Shroud of Turin, in that it was three-dimensionally printed on paper with some type of advanced technology that didn't exist in those days. And actually, it doesn't even exist today because it's three-dimensional ink. And in the temple scroll, God tells Moses to build a new holy of holies that's 280 cubits square. You see, the holy of holies is what Jesus called the bridal chamber. They're one in the same thing, which is, which is expressed in the Gospel of Philip, which was removed from the canonized Bible. So what the Jews did is they had the holy of holies was the place of atonement once a year where the high priest came in, opened the doors, and, and did ceremony in the Holy of Holies, which is a cube, right? And in Solomon's temple, that cube was 10 by 10 by 10 cubits. But in the time of Moses, 
the tabernacle that surrounded the Ark of the Covenant, which was the Holy of Holies. You had a cube tent, 10 by 10 by 10. It would be royal cubits instead of common cubits. And then it had what's called the holy place was 10 by 20 cubits. Well, guess what? Because I'm going to come back to the temple scroll. The king's chamber in the Great Pyramid is 10 by 20 cubits, and the queen's chamber is 10 by 10 by 10 cubits. That's the same as Moses' original tabernacle, right? And, and what's called the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant was stored. The exact same measurements. And God, the God of the prophets, is a measurer, right? <laughs> That's for sure. So, and everything had to be measured. So that would mean that that the Ark of the Covenant, where the staff of Aaron and the staff of Moses, and actually there were 12 staffs for the 12 tribes lay, would be two and a half royal cubits. But then you get down into fine, fine resolution on what a royal cubit is. It's the, the differences are, are so tiny, but they matter when you multiply it. So when we come back to Temple Scroll, God is telling Moses to make the new Holy of Holies 280 cubits by 280 cubits. And guess what's 280 cubits? Perfectly, the finished height of the Great Pyramid of Egypt is exactly 280 royal cubits. How do you, how do you get this? This is, There's a lot of in-depth information you're sharing with us and, and very precise information that you're finding out. How, how did you get the... How do you get to the point of where you're receiving this knowledge? Where are you getting the information well, from? The, the, here's where it gets really tricky, is when, when you look at the Egyptian... See, a lot of people don't understand this. At the time of Moses, the Jews were not a unified people. If you read um, John 8.44, you'll see Jesus is getting rocks thrown at him because he's telling this group of Jews, you're worshiping the wrong God. You're worshiping a God who's been a murderer and a liar since the beginning, a God that leads people into battle. But the real God, which is the Tetragrammaton, the four letters, YWHW, is not a person. It's an infinite consciousness God. And which those four letters mean I am that I am or the I am that which came into being, which is infinite, infinite illumination. But then this this fake God comes in and claims he's God. And this is actually in what's called the secret gospel of John or the Apocryphon of John found in Nag Hammadi, Egypt in 1945, where Jesus is, says the same thing. He says that this fake God who goes by many names like Sakwa and Yeltabeaf claims to be God, he, he kind of usurps and overtakes the real God and creates this problem where people are worshiping the wrong God. In fact, at the time of Elijah, the Elijah does a duel with the, 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 you know, this is a famous story where Jezebel, the high priestess and her king husband are, are, the, are getting the Jewish people to worship the wrong God. And he does a duel and he wins and he converts the people back to following the infinite you know, formless God is beyond images that has no image and, and no word can be uttered out of those four letters because they're silent. Right. So so basically the staff, which is corresponds to the frequency of God, because the height of the staff times four is its wavelength. And we know it's a transmitter because God told Moses to wrap it in a coiled serpent. A serpent is only a symbol. He wasn't walking around with a snake on a pole. That, that's the language of symbols. He said brass. Brass is copper and tin. So when, when, you, when you wrap copper on a pole, you've got a coil that gives birth to radio frequencies. You've just raised the value of copper, it seems like. <laughs> exactly. So... So therefore, God was, was needed. See, the human organism, because we're electrical, if you touch a staff that is charged and it's, it's an antenna, it will interface with your electrical field and can be used to send and receive messages. But not only send and receive messages, but to tune your nervous system to the frequency that is proportional to the height of that rod. But we need the we, but we need the transmitter to. Well, I believe the math proves that the Great Pyramid of Egypt is not an Egyptian monument. In fact, when it was first opened, which is after the time of Christ, and there are many references 
that Christ gives to the Great Pyramid in the in the Gospels, in the canonized Bible, and people just don't seem to recognize it. They're Do you very think that clear. it's a transmitter as well, the pyramids? Yeah, I think the math proves the pyramid. It, I mean, when they opened it up, there was no hieroglyphs found inside. It was, I believe, Napoleon's armies came in and created an explosion because they couldn't hammer their way through the sidewalls. And um, um, I'm just trying to find this graphic that I have that, that really shows this in a really mind-blowing way for your for your audience. Thank you. But basically, when they went inside, there was nothing Egyptian in there at all. There were no hieroglyphs. There was nothing. And that disturbed them because they were they wanted to believe this was Khufu's tomb. And and actually, Khufu's name, Khufu, comes from the ancient Egyptian Hufa, Hufa which is the Egyptian tetragrammaton is why... See, the Hebrew is YWHW, mm-hmm. which became Latinized by the Jehovah's Witnesses because they added the J and they called it Jehovah, right? But there, and there's no J in Jesus's name either. That's Latin. His name is Isa, and there's a silent S at the end. But that's a whole story just in itself. But then what happens is Jesus's name, which is now Latinized with a J, <clears throat> goes further away from its true meaning, which is also the, the way his name was spelled in his language, which was Aramaic, was a tetragrammaton. It was four letters, just like the Hebrew name of God. So going back to the Egyptian tetragrammaton, which is YWFW, which was Hufa, which became Kufa, which became Kufu, <laughs> you see? And it really means in their language in the most ancient language i am it just it's the universal i am presence of god and so that transliterated because the 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 hebrew language was was not born out of one location in fact early aramaic which is jesus's language was early hebrew but then the hebrew language is evolving and their unification into into God was also evolving because the Jewish people were were not unified. Hence, Jesus in 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 um, in uh, John eight forty four, where he's getting rocks thrown at him because he's telling these Jews that you're worshiping the wrong God and you're you're actually made the same mistake that the cult of the the Jews worshiping the Baal under. Um, the prophet Elijah did, you're worshiping a murderer and a liar God, a God who's an egotistical God. David, I want to, I want to ask you this, um, there's a lot to cover with you just to try to help us keep on track here. Can you tell us a little bit about, um, I want to go down your step there before, I want to get to some more topics with you, but can you give us a little, our audience, a, a bit about your, your, your reality, why you're pursuing what you're doing right now, why this has become your life mission? You know, because you're really well learned about this stuff and you're really researched well, and there's a lot going on there. So what's what's gotten you? And, and you know, if you take just a few minutes for us on that, you know, give us a little backstory there. Well, see, as you know, as a as a as a young teenager, my dad introduced me to the practice of meditation and yoga and I started doing it and I started to have experiences. And, you know, when I was a kid growing up in Berkeley on the way home from school one day, a huge crowd of people and I saw a flying saucer down low right over, you know, the Berkeley campus area. Hmm. And, and so I became interested in UFOs and then I became interested in, in you know, biblical UFOs. Like, you know, in, in the case of um, the wheels of Ezekiel, you know, the giant craft that God, you know, this God being is, is flying in and appears to the prophet Ezekiel. And I became interested in you know, who and what these, these craft are that are visiting our planet in our airspace. And then as I started meditating more and more and more, actually in the year 1994, I mean, I had been meditating for several decades every day. Christ appeared to me in Topanga, California at a very low point in my life in this blinding vision where he was literally a thousand times brighter than our sun, but he, his light that he's transmitting is made of 
of purity, absolute purity, absolute supreme ecstasy and absolute supreme love. And and there were so many qualities in the light that transmitted from him. I Within one second when I tried to look at his face, I fell humbled at the ground, holding his bare feet, which were in sandals. And, and just How looking at How long did the experience last? Oh my God, at least 45 minutes. And he started wow. That's a long time. This was in a vision, was it? This was in a vision. It was in a vision. And and this 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 was fully real to me in this state. I don't know if another person next to me would be having the same experience. But I started writing a book about it called Face to Face with Jesus Christ. And then he appeared to me again, Easter morning, 1997, even brighter. Blind. Do you remember what you did or what? Well, what did you do that you had that such an intense experience that brought that to you? Forty-five minutes is a long time. Very long. Oh yeah, and and there were there has been a total of seven meetings. In fact, I saw him again this past May fifteenth. He appeared again, and I met the Mother of Christ over seven or eight times, and then I started meeting some of the apostles. I met Magdalene and. And, you know, we're taught certain things. So we think what we, we eliminated most of the Gospels. I mean, if you know the real Christian story, modern Christianity is really the Christianity of Paul, the Apostle Paul, who was formerly Saul. And, mm -hmm. and he never physically walked with Jesus on the ground. But the, the Gnostic Gospels are written by witnesses, and some of them written direct by apostles who literally walked and lived with Jesus. And those got rejected by the early church fathers in in three or four great councils. One, David, David yeah. I want to I, I don't want to skirt through this one because this yeah. was a big one. You met the mother, you met Mary Magdalene, you met the apostles. What was that experience was like? Did they, was there any actual? What was the exchange like? Was it a, was it like a bright? Well, light? first you, I'll tell you. What was that like? Meet, when you meet an apostle, they they are they are so enlightened, so illuminated. They transmit. <clears throat> remember, the first commandment is to love the Lord thy God with all your heart and all your mind. So we don't even know what that is because we don't know what God is. So when once you're connected to the infinite I am that I am source, then you know what God is which is which you you unify through your own i am gateway to the source universal i am supreme god so once you know what that is you you go to higher and higher states of illumination and in fact there's a gospel very advanced gospel in the gnostic collection called the treatise on the eighth and the ninth which and all the apostles because <clears throat> this is going to answer your question are telling Jesus, we're all in the seventh level of heaven. We're, they're all in the seventh level of realization. So they're vibrating at <clears throat> such a high frequency. There's, first of all, most <clears throat> people, <clears throat> I would say most Christians today couldn't even understand what that means, unless you study the lives of the saints, like St. Teresa of Avila, who wrote The Interior Castle and describes the seven levels of interior illumination. And in this treatise on the 8th and the ninth, the apostles are saying, how then, Jesus, do we attain the 8th and the ninth?" And you would have to read Dante's Divine Comedy. Um, I love the poet John Chiardi's version. And you see that Dante physically and, and poetically describes what it's like to go through all the seven levels and then the 8th and the ninth. There's no description in literature better than Dante's description of what it's actually experiencing. Do they, um, do they, do they talk when they, when they come through? Cause that's a, you know, most people never get a vision of any of that. You got them all. You got, you got, you went right down the list. So you got everybody there. Do they, do they, uh, other than the vision, was there any type of exchange? Was it telepathic? Like what was the, what was the, uh, the meaning behind the visitation? Did you get a sense of that? And I want to just tag on that. Were you using any one of your, like the staff or uh, the coil, the scepters, anything to help generate this extreme experience? Not in the, no, not in the beginning, because this happened in 1994, my first visit with Christ. And 
So I worked as a tree planter half the year, and the other half of the year I worked with this brilliant physicist, Bogdan Magwitch, who was an MIT PhD in nuclear fusion, landmine bomb detection. So, so my work was was in alignment to to helping the world. But then Jesus started saying things to me, and the, these what he was saying to me was. The first thing he said to me, the very first words, as I'm falling at his feet, blind, I look at his face for one second and look at the ground. Look at his face. Oh my God, you can't look. He's too holy. He's too powerful. He's no that, one. That's how, that, that's how you felt. That's a, I mean, you oh were, my God. nobody's going to look at the face of Christ in the resurrected form. That's interesting that you immediately go down there. Now, do you think there was a sense of like, that's what I'm supposed to do, bow down? Or was it a real. Oh, like, no, you're not to the ground. You're, you you cannot possibly. Hmm. survive a direct gaze upon the face of God incarnate not in this not in the resurrected form and this is consistent in in scripture actually so then he said to me I have appeared to a number of people throughout history but at different levels of their spiritual ability no one has ever seen me in my entirety which would include the apostles hmm. and and he said you're not seeing me in my entirety at this time now if you know the transfiguration in Matthew where Jesus transfigures and shines like the sun, the disciples all fall as if dead on the ground, and they see Jesus conversing with Moses and Elijah. So, and and Jesus refers to John the Baptist as Elijah in the scripture. So I want to show you because I found my graphic. So I want to go to share screen. Which um, was he alluding to the fact that he was a reincarnated version from your perspective? Jesus. No, no, Elijah. Well, that's that's exactly the point um, that Elijah, first of all, was physically assumed into heaven. He went up in a whirlwind into the clouds and he, he tore his robe, his cloak in half and gave half to his disciple, Elias, Elias, Elisa. It's but actually there is no J in Elijah either. It is really Eliah. Now, who does Jesus call to on the cross? Eli, Eli, mm -hmm. he call, he's calling to Elijah because Elijah is phys, was physically taken just like Enoch was the first prophet, right? So at this point, there, he, Jesus is calling John. Now notice John the Baptist, who if he is Elijah, he doesn't need to be saved. He's already saved and mm -hmm. he doesn't become a follower of Christ. He continues to baptize thousands and thousands of people. On his own but Jesus at that moment becomes anointed and continues his work in a different direction but John the Baptist is not he is a full prophet he he is if he's Elijah he's a full prophet mm -hmm. and does he have to reincarnate it would seem so because he was born of a woman again in fact his birth is prophesied in the beginning of, of, I forget which one it is, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, but it's in the very beginning. His birth is prophecy just as, as Christ's birth is prophecy. In fact, the word Christ doesn't exist in Jesus' time. In fact, the Lord's Prayer in Aramaic, the way Jesus spoke it, is, O thou from whom the breath of life comes, who fills all realms with sound, light, and vibration. That's frequencies. Sound, light, and vibration. Mm. May you touch me in my utmost holiest. Let your will come true in all that is material and dense. He's talking to logos. He's talking the language of the, of the breath, the sound, and the light. The, that's all frequency-based language. Yeah. Right? So we change that to our Father. Now, there was no man in the sky in Jesus' Lord's Prayer who was a dad. That's all Latinized. Did that's all been, that's all been man changing the, the whole our father has been latinized yeah the uh the sound of the sun when you're speaking of sounds there there's a sound of the sun that you refer to what is that well i believe the sound of the sun and i, I did a huge study on this you see again religions are formed after the fact and they they make a lot of mistakes mm -hmm. the tetragrammaton the YWHW is a pulse. It's a right, and then the Hopi Indians called the, the their their language and their word name for the for their the vibration of what they call the Creator Sun is Tawa.
But the T is an accent that comes out of Mesoamerica. In fact, the, the original name for Mexico City was Tenochtitlan. But the T is an accent. It's Enoch land, which Enoch. is the first prophet. Remember, Enoch was taken up. And actually, if you read the book of Enoch, the by art that was translated by the Archbishop of Cashel, Richard Lawrence, you know, uh, Enoch comes before God, whose face is so bright you can't look upon it, falls flat on the ground, just like I did in front of Christ. And God tells Enoch that that you know stand stand up and gaze upon my face and gain eternal life and enoch comes into this craft and the archangel gabriel and michael are are at the side of the throne of god and we immediately think there's a man sitting there on the throne of god but it's right. there's no evidence of that at all because you can't look upon the face but even the angels can't turn their view and look directly upon the face they can't do it do you think uh you're growing up there as a veg because i'm there's reference to you being vegetarian do you think any of this would have been possible if you weren't vegetarian? How much of a place? No, I don't. I believe Jesus ate fish. That would be clear in the Gospels. Being a Jew, he probably ate lamb as well. There's there's only one reference to food, which is in the Gospel of Thomas. I read all the, the, the canonized and the non-canonized scriptures, by the way, because, because Thomas was an apostle. And to me... What the Romans did, if you if you know the history, when when in, um, Rome was burnt to the ground by the Christians under Nero by 75 AD, roughly, it was burning. And they knew that this new religion was going to conquer the empire because it was conquering the people. So the Romans had to usurp and take control of the religion, which became the Catholic Church. And they didn't like the balance of male-femaleism that Jesus really had in his representation of, of the Logos, of God. So they were going to eliminate all the female testimony, which is in the Gnostics. And they actually eliminated, imagine, you have 12 male apostles, 7 very close women, and 72 minor disciples. But they're actually the 72 are mentioned in the canonized Bible as being disciples, not minor disciples, seven, the 72. So what happens is, is they're so powerful as a movement that the Romans formed councils. There were two councils at Nicaea, a council at Hippo in North Africa, and a final council at Trento, Italy in about 500 AD. And the first church is born in what is now Turkey by, the, by Emperor Constantine. He creates the first church. And they have to decide what are going to be the Gospels. Right. And they eliminate, imagine. 12 men, seven women, they only give you four. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and a few little snippets from the others as if they're meaningless. And yet they have full testimony from all of them, including the, uh, the seven very close women. What, what, was this from the Nag Hammadi scrolls? Well, the Nag Hammadi scrolls are not the entirety of the wealth of Scripture. In fact... There are scriptures that were found before Nag Hammadi, like the the Apocryphon of, uh, sorry, the um, it's called the the Acts of John. The Acts of John shows a completely different crucifixion scene than than we're used to seeing. It so shows Jesus not suffering at all, kind of almost laughing at the torture to his body, which is why he could withstand it because he's God. <laughs> he's not flesh. Mm -hmm. You can beat him all you want. He's just transmitting forgiveness and love the whole time. Although it's horrific what they did to his body, he is life. So he resurrects. But he, he actually says in Philip, the gospel of Philip. Remember, Philip is one of the apostles. How come there's no Philip in the Bible? Well, he was close to Jesus. Wasn't his brother? Philip, well, see, that's the other story is that Jesus was divine birth, but it's very likely Mary had a full family. And so Jesus is, is James, you know, he may have had a full family, and it may have been a lot of his family that were his closest followers. So you do believe Jesus was divine birth, then? You, then I believe he's divine birth, but you're from I that. believe he was married to Mary Magdalene. You believe he was married to Mary Magdalene? Oh, yeah, he's a married man. All the, all the biblical prophets were married. Yeah. And do you, oh. do you, from your research, 
believe in any way, shape, or form that there's a walking, living descendant of Christ today? Absolutely. There's a bloodline, and the bloodline would be highly protected. But it's the bloodline is a huge story. I think Dan Brown barely scratched the surface, and here's where it is. I don't know how Dan Brown missed this, but in the Gospel of Philip, okay, there's two Philips. There's the Acts of Philip, which is one of the most incredible things you'll read in your life, which is where Philip goes to Athens and he starts preaching the Gospels in Athens and encounters the high Jewish priests in Athens. And boy, is that a freaking story. But when you go to the Gospel of Philip, which is where Jesus is kissing Mary Magdalene on the lips. Now, and the, the male apostles are jealous, but here's what Dan Brown missed. It's in Philip. The perfect ones conceived life in the womb by a kiss. So why is he kissing her? Because he's conceiving life in her womb. Oh, got it. Right there, Dan Brown missed it. So that means they had their children. And, and what actually happens is Magdalene gives birth to the family. And during the time when the Jews and the Romans are going to exterminate this religion because it's conquering the empire. Mm-hmm. They start they start torturing the Christians in the theaters. And that's who Saul was, who becomes Paul. Saul was rounding up Christians to bring them into the theaters to be tortured by example. Well, guess what? When they tortured Christians, miracles started happening to the women especially. Thecla of Iconium was a, was a disciple of Christ through Paul, who was Saul. Because Saul gets blinded on the road to Damascus, converts to Christianity, and his his little disciple, Thecla, is indestructible. They try to kill her, and you can't kill this woman. Hmm. She, she's engulfed in a flame of white. You can throw lions at her. They tried electrocuting her with electric Nothing could kill Thecla. Yeah. This is called the Acts of Paul and Thecla. Removed, because it shows a woman being saved gotcha just really all all it has to do is because there's a woman being there and that's what they just did not want to have represented this would make a movie like no other the oxapol and tequila would make a movie beyond anything you've ever seen because there were several women like her who were indestructible Mm -hmm. and when the people saw it like vivian perpetua also was another one they went oh my god we're all becoming christian so the roman empire is falling 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 Jesus is telling the poor, You're, you have a better chance of getting into heaven than your rich Roman oppressors. So the people were vindicated. Oh, my God, we're valuable. We're not mere servants of the Greek Roman gods and, and, and paying our taxes, and we're the slaves. And the, the Roman Senate, which was an all-male Senate, wanted to continue to exist. So they conquered the scriptures, they created the councils, and they got rid of the women. All the women. Here's a million dollar question. From your research, was Mary Magdalene Jesus's sister? Oh, no. No. No, no. She wasn't his sister. Um, but you would have to understand in early biblical times, it, families intermarried and interbred. Mm-hmm. If they were distant, so she might have been distant bloodline. It's very possible because that was that was how they kept the bloodlines pure, right? So yeah. Magdalene appeared to me about three years ago in in and on the date of her appearance, and I had no prior knowledge of this, is the day they celebrate in what is now France, which was formerly Gaul, a Roman territory. Um, was the day she appeared to me was the same day they celebrate in France her arrival. So she brings the children into because she's fleeing. And what does she have in her possession? Is probably a huge portion of Solomon's treasure. And she's got enormous wealth. She's got the family. And guess what they did? The Romans did to the Sea of Galilee because she her family owned all the fishing vessels. They were wealthy fishing merchants. She was no prostitute. That was bastardization by the Romans Mm -hmm. when they were taking over the religion. They didn't want women rulers. The Roman rulers were men. Mm -hmm. Their wives were were influential, 
but they were not part of the Roman. Is Senate. there any is there any science that's been bought out, uh, David, that shows that uh, vibrationally, if you would, that um, uh, Mary Magdalene and Jesus Christ, Jesus, were vibrating at a level there that they were vibrating? Did she have the same uh, divine? Well, when I met her, this is what I'm going to tell you. She's the same. She she. But when you stand in front of her, she's shining bright, brighter than our sun. There's so much love. I was crying my eyes out in her presence. I fell at my my at her feet. So you and said she, you said she's the same. Yes, is that what I? Oh understand? yeah, she's the divine feminine paredness of Christ. She is his equal in the feminine. Now you have to understand when you go way back into the ancient world religions, the goddesses ruled the planet. Mm -hmm. They were more powerful than the males, and in fact, the males were the sacrifice to the female goddesses. Jesus was the sacrifice. Magdalene lived on in the tradition of the most ancient goddess religions on the planet. She brings the religion to France, but she's also illuminated tremendously. And their records show her, you know, when when army, the armies came into her village in, in Migdal, which is near the, the, the Sea of Galilee, and they turned the Sea of Galilee to blood, killing everyone they could looking for her. This is in the Roman historic record. The Sea of Galilee was turned to blood. They killed everyone because they're looking for her because they want to stop this religion at its root. And she has the family and the bloodline. And, and she brings them into Gaul, which becomes France. And when she's there, she's setting up camp and she's setting up the, a, new, a new location for a transformation and those people start to get illumination you see when your sins are forgiven you go into this enormous state of bliss and love and and, and that state is so magnetic that when people see it this is what happened to Thecla when she saw Paul she would look at Paul and she was the one of the most beautiful women in the entire Roman Empire her mom wanted to marry her off to wealth and she wouldn't do it she was in love with God, Christ through Saul, who was, becomes Paul. So what happens is when you see an apostle and you see Magdalene, she is the same. She's illuminated. So when she touches you, you go into the forgiveness of sin state, which is divine love and bliss. You're blissed out of your mind. And you, do, you, do, you think there's, do you think there's suffering in the world as we see it today? Do you think a lot of that comes from the fact that we don't acknowledge like Mary Magdalene or those divine feminine energies? The, you know, exactly. You exactly. Because that's what she said to me. She was blinding love. I can't describe how what it's like to look at her. And I'm crying my eyes out. And she said, I am co-redemptrix. I am co-redemptrix. I am co-redemptrix. A title that was given to the Virgin Mary. I am what? Can you co-redemptrix, which means co-redeemer in sins with Christ. She's co-redeemer. Redemptrix is Latin for redeemer. She's part of this equation. She said this to me in this blinding light, and I'm falling on my face. Tears are pouring down my face. I'm just remembering it. I love her so much. And then she started showing me how they had to hide. When Magdalene was in the territory, which could have been Spain or France, we don't know exactly, but it, it appears she arrived in the south of France in Marseille. What is now Marseille was not even named that at that time. Um, it, it appears that she caused an illumination in the people. And did you know that the French language and the English language were born out of a mixture of Celtic and Germanic languages that came out of the north? 500 years after Christ, 1,500 years ago, there was no France and there was no English language. Mm -hmm. it, it's born after the, literally, the Annunciation, the arrival of, of Magdalene to the territory and the children and the bloodline over 500 years would be at least seven or eight generations. So uh, do, do, you, do you think there's any of them out there that don't know that they're the bloodline or do you think pretty much? Oh, I think there's lots of them who don't know they're the bloodline because they, they start multiplying, multiplying. Yeah. And then the, the Northern races, see there were what were called the Merovingian king lines which were taller men and women, the men 
the men, the descriptions of the Merovingians, they were they were more powerful. See, the, the Latin, the Latin Empire of the Romans were short little guys, muscular, short, and a few of them were tall, but they were pretty short. And the Germanic races came out of the north, and their steel—they invented carbon steel swords. They sliced through the Roman swords like nothing. They wiped them out. Oh, then, I have a question. Uh, um, after having these intense, overwhelming, just uh, dreamlike um, experiences of your life, number one, that's so intoxicating. How do you recover from that? Because I, I, I imagine it'd be addicting. You want to experience that over and over and over again. And how did having that experience, those experiences with Mary Magdalene in particular change your life? Well, that is the best question I've ever heard because that was my struggle. Once you look at Christ and he showed me and took me through the seven levels of heaven, I have a page on my website where people can listen to the whole recording of what it's actually like to go through the seven levels of heaven, or you can read Dante because it's the same. Um, I couldn't recover. The, the depression was massive. My meditations, couldn't, they couldn't equal that state. I could meditate yeah. all I want. You could not equal what it's like to be in front of Christ. And I went to the churches in Los Angeles and I, and I told them I met Christ in Topanga and I remember this Catholic priest in, in St. Monica's church in Santa Monica telling me, well, if you're having meetings with him, you don't need to talk to me. And he turned his back on me and, <laughs> and didn't want to talk to me. And so I knew I was alone. And I, I, I began writing face to face with Jesus Christ. And then Christ appeared again, Easter morning, 97. And then again in 1999. And the book was published and was on Amazon, got four and five star reviews and was stolen by the publisher. He completely stole it. Wow. Um, I don't know how he could do it because he was a former priest at Notre Dame, this guy, this publisher, Paul Clemens at Blue Dolphin Publishing. He stole it. He it, it sold for from the year 2000 going forward. And and because it's out of print now, people sell copies for as much as four hundred dollars on 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 Amazon today. And I Amazon won't give me the book back. But that's awful. Christ continued to appear, Magdalene appeared, and the and some of the apostles appeared. And and so I started doing the math. I started to see in Mark 6, 8, why did Jesus continue the requirement that the apostles had to have their staff with them at all times? And that's because it calibrates them at the frequency based on the, the wavelength that it transmits so that they're in tune to the God vibration, the logos. Okay, I got you. Was there any um, research that you've done? Because there is some different theories about this. So Christ died on the cross, then he resurrected three days later. Did he live past that, or was that it, as far as in human form? Did well, see, that's that? one of the most amazing things about the Gnostic Gospels, is is like Gospels like the Sophia of Christ, the, the, the seven women and the 12 males are on the top of the mountain, and Christ comes out of the sky, this blinding light on the ground in his new form, and he continues teaching them. He's continuing. And most of the Gnostic Gospels are post-crucifixion, resurrection period. Mm -hmm. And the resurrection period is more wealthy. The, the wisdom sayings are more wealthy than when he was in his physical you know, form. Now, not that he wasn't prolific in his physical form, but... But now that he's in his indestructible form, they can't stop the movement because he's continuing to appear to the apostles and many others. In fact, there are some appearances that transcend the local group of apostles. And the Romans were, as soon as something was written, they needed to get their hands on it and get rid of it. And that's why somebody buried copies of, of scriptures in clay jars in the sands. And they were discovered at Nag Hammadi, but that's only one of the finds. Right? How many do you think are out there? They're always finding more. Like when they found this fragment of where Jesus refers to his wife, which is now really good book called The Lost Gospel, which details the marriage of Jesus and Mary Magdalene. 
there's no question that he was married. Does not take away his status, right? Mm -hmm. is, is Moses's status removed because he had a wife and children? <laughs> is it removed? Exactly. No. No, they, the Romans wanted an all-male hierarchy, and they got it, and they destroyed two-thirds at least of the true religion. And that, that see, let's go back to the Holy of Holies, because the Holy of Holies in, in the Temple Scroll has the same measurement as the height of the Great Pyramid of Egypt, precisely 99.99999% accuracy. The, basically... What, what we see from the mathematical evidence versus the linguistic evidence is the pyramid of Egypt is the pyramid of the God of the prophets. And that there was a, a marriage ceremony, which is why Jesus refers to in Philip, the bridal chamber and the Holy of Holies are one. Was the bridal... she referring to her own wedding ceremony? Exactly. See, that we were what it says in Philip is when two people are married in the in the Holy of Holies, they they will never be separated. They will be unified in God. But that without that, we we have divorces because because once you reach illumination, this interior state of bliss in God realization, you're so lit up within, you start to transcend the physical, right? So when we're young, we're physically more attractive. And as we get older, we start to age, right? But we also, if we're getting illumination, which happens to me every day now, finally, to answer your question, every day when I meditate and pray now, when I meditate, all I do is sit in meditation and say, glory be to God in the highest. Mm -hmm. But when I say God in the highest, I don't see God outside of myself. It, it's it's all connected. how long do you meditate for david how long during the day do you well meditate? like i meditate twice a day probably a total of an hour and a half a day in, in an hour and a half a day. day is it a morning i don't look at the time anymore because yeah, within yeah. 10 minutes there's so much bliss and when i repeat glory be to god in the highest the the, the ecstasy and the love state gets so bright you know my kids come and climb all over me when i'm meditating sometimes and they can feel it they can feel it yeah. You know, I want to ask you this. Um, we're getting down to the close of the show, and I wanted to try to get – there's a lot to cover with you here. Um, the seven layers of heaven, is there any association with that to the seven chakras that are referred to? No, because the chakra system, which is which is corresponds to the, the glandular system in the body, right? You know, you have your sex glands. You, you have your, your adrenal glands. You have your – pancreas you have your thymus gland which regulates heart lung function pineal pituitary and crown um, halo connection it th these seven systems are part of the electrical system and the endocrine system but when you reach illumination you start to feel the halo the, the which is the the this the nimbus the sphere of light starts to envelop between the heart and the top of the head and and then even if you attain the first heaven, it's it, it's it's blinding for a human being. It takes a long time to adjust. You'll you'll see Dante in the Paradiso. So there's three books. There's the Inferno, Hell, and then there's Purgatorio. Purgatorio means to purge, to cleanse. So there's seven there's there's seven levels or nine levels of Purgatory. Sorry, and then there's nine levels of heaven. And when you see his descriptions going through them. It's like that in the here and now. So if you were to attain just the first level of heaven, all suffering would be gone. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened when he forgave the sins. It's not like, okay, my sins are forgiven. I, I don't have to feel guilty anymore. No, they were blissed out. They, they knew they were experiencing a higher frequency. The ritual of, of frequency work was removed. And what they're, so there's the baptism and then there's what's called the chrisms. And, and this is in Philip. There are multiple chrisms. And the chrisms are the interior gateways to the higher and higher levels of heaven within. Okay. And that's what we lost. So I want to ask you this. So like when someone is going to thank you for this, I appreciate, you know, this is really this is really fascinating getting to talk to you and your perspective on this. I'm really actually, you know, Thank you for thank you for bringing this out and getting getting the opportunity to get to know you at this level. Um, 
tell me a little bit about when someone goes to your site, what experience do you want them to get from there? Like, what do you, what was, what's your intention behind that? Well, my intention on this site starts from a beginner level to a more advanced level. And, and if someone didn't know anything, I would refer them to the practice of doing the, my course, which is Regenesis year one and two right now are on the site, um, which is built upon the thesis of the original Lord's prayer in Aramaic plus What's called the Gospel of the Egyptians is not an Egyptian gospel. It, it, it was found in Nag Hammadi, um, Egypt. Is a Christian manuscript, which is really the, what they call the, the scripture of the great invisible spirit of God. There is a, uh, an exercise that early Christians used where they produced vowel sounds. They, they had seven vowels, but whereas we only have five in our language. And you make these sounds, so you wear headphones, you, you're going to hear these tones that are very precise pitch tones and you make a vowel sound that matches what you hear and it starts activating this interior. So that was evidence of an actual practice that Jesus gave the disciples. But if you read the full gospel of the Egyptians, it's all online. Just Google the gospel of the Egyptians. You'll see a really the best description of God you've ever seen because God, the, the, the supreme God is infinite. It's not male or female. Mm -hmm. And then the male and the female aspects of God are born. And Christ is actually born out of that prior to his physical birth. So, and then you start to see all the angels being born and the heavens being born out of the supreme infinite God. Again, infinite God is not a person. And then you'll see the father and the mother aspect being born out of the infinite God. And then you see the false god, Yaltabaoth, the egotistical god, the angry god, the jealous god, being born. And he has all of his angels. And, and, and it's all part of the divine play. That's why Dante called it a divine comedy. I, I got uh, one last question for you, too. We can go on and on with you. So, oh, my gosh, I'd love to have you back. Uh, Mary Magdalene, I want to get back to her for a second. If she was a co-redeemer, as you say, um, Christ was born as a, Jesus was born as an immaculate conception, would... Was she born that way also, or was she given birth? See, we don't have records. It's really sad. We don't have records of her birth because the, the Romans turned her into a prostitute. Mm -hmm. And so there's no interest in who she really is. There, there is a woman who was a prostitute. but she's And, and Mary is a title that's given when, when a person has had a woman has had their sins forgiven and they enter the path of redemption and, and rising up. So there, there's no doubt that there was a woman in the Gospels who was redeemed, uh, uh, but it's not the wife of it's Jesus. Not it's not her. Right. All right. Okay. And the wedding feast at Canaan, see, Jesus is pouring the wine. He turns water into wine. So that means he's the groom because that's the groom's job to pour mm -hmm. the wine for the guests. That, it's that not, was his, not that his was his job. It's, it's the groom's job. So that, that would be party then. Okay. Yeah. All right, David, listen, uh, thank you, my brother. It's great to have you on here with us. And uh, it's great to great to meet you like this and get to learn about you. And again, you know, everybody check out David's site there. We've got it displayed there. And uh, pretty fascinating, huh? Oh, this could go on and on. It really could go on and on. We'll, we'll have to continue because I, I wanted to show the graphic of the pyramid, but let's do oh. that next time. Yeah, we'd sure. we'll, we'll, we'll love to have you back on. I'm sure, I'm sure people are going to want to you know know about know more about what you have to say. So thank you again, Dave, for uh, coming on here with us. Thank you everybody for you know sharing this moment with us. We hope you got value out of this, and we will see you next time. And thank Lord you, to God in the highest. Thank have a great day. You too. Thank you so much. And together, we are turning the universal key to global harmony and creating a unified world. Thank you everyone for tuning in. Remember, tune in often. Tell all your friends, and most importantly. May all your dreams come true. Many blessings.
We'd like to share a story. While it may sound fictional, it's very real and happening right now in front of our very eyes. It's called the Great Awakening. Our sisters and brothers that come on Spiritually Raw are doing everything to help expand global consciousness. And in many cases, putting everything on the line to share their messages about what's happening around the world for the greater good of humanity while exposing the truth of the deep state and the dark forces behind it all. We are living in the most unbelievable times. Some may even say biblical, scary for many and yet exhilarating for others. Together we are taking part in getting everyone acclimated to the great awakening process and the exciting new discoveries that lie ahead. The sad part is many of our amazing guests are being heavily censored, socially shamed and outright banned on many platforms for exposing the truth and piercing the veil. By becoming a viewer, you bring your powerful energy towards this global movement of other truth seekers. If you're resonating with our show, please let us know by hitting the like button, sharing, subscribing, turn on the notification, and leave some comments. Together, we will turn the universal key to global harmony and create a unified world. And remember, tune in often, tell all your friends, and most importantly, may all your dreams come true. Thanks and God bless patriots worldwide.